Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Friday, December 15th. Today, we're going to talk about holiday cheer as Sun writer Kevin Simpson chats with the Colorado woman behind thousands of visits with that jolly old elf Santa Claus. Before we begin, a quick message. Support for today's episode comes from Colorado Water Trust, a statewide nonprofit organization working to solve Colorado's water challenges in the faces of climate change and drought. Learn more about how they're restoring water to Colorado's rivers and join the movement at coloradowatertrust.org. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. When Colorado's newest winter sports resort opened in Eagle County on this date in 1962, it boasted the nation's first gondola, ski areas ranging from a beginner's slope to extensive backcountry bowls, and an alpine-style community at the base of 3,000-foot-tall Vail Mountain. What the Vail Lodge and Inn lacked on opening day, unfortunately, was snow. In the mid-1950s, Earl Eaton and Peter Selbert began developing Vail, Colorado, recognizing its potential for skiing. They spearheaded the transformation of a high-altitude ranch into a ski resort, gaining support from the U.S. Forest Service and benefiting from the construction of Interstate 70. Vail Resort opened in 1962, initially struggling with snowfall but quickly attracting visitors. By the 1970s, with Interstate 70 mostly complete, Vail thrived, attracting even President Gerald Ford. Before we continue, the Colorado Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing is raising awareness of the invaluable roles of direct care workers and the direct care workforce in Colorado. Direct care workers play a crucial role in enhancing the lives of individuals requiring assistance due to disability, age, or illness. Learn more about the impact of these workers and how to become one by visiting hcpf.colorado.gov direct-care-spotlight. Next, our feature story. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Dixon and Blixon and all his reindeers pulling on the reins. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. So hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus. Happy Friday on the Countdown to Christmas, Colorado. In the spirit of the season, we've got a special guest, the woman behind Lafayette-based Santa Visits USA, the self-described go-to girl of the Santa industry. And of course, I'm talking about Susan Mesco. Welcome, Susan. Well, hello, Kevin, and hello, listeners. So you're coming up on 40 years of training and providing Santas for all kinds of events, creating memories for untold numbers of kids and adults alike. I remember three years ago, you explained to me that right out of college, you had everything planned out where you'd be a mommy and a school teacher. And here you are, you ended up being an entrepreneur. Tell our listeners what you do and how you got there. Well, I am still teaching. Um, I do have my PhD in education, but um, I started out as a French teacher in a Catholic all-girls school. And how I ended up teaching fat-bearded Santas is, it it amazes me too. No, it was years and years ago. I was um, was in my 20s. I was selling cable TV 
in Grand Junction during the boom time and uh, making an obscene amount of money. And my father, who's an entrepreneur, said, you need to buy a business. And so he uh, hooked me up with uh, a photo company that did souvenir photos for like golf tournaments and things like that. And then it evolved. We did the um, Identichild program in the malls where uh, we you wear the missing like a missing children's program. Right, right. We were doing Halloween pictures and a couple of malls said to me, hey, would you do our Santa Claus? And I thought, how hard can that be? I get a couple, you know, a couple guys, a couple Santa suits, a few elves, a cash register. How hard could this be? <laughs> and really, it was way more complicated because I went around to the competition and I saw nothing but miserable um, experiences. The mommies were cranky. The children were crying. The Santas were slouched in their chairs. Their beards were falling off. The elves were chewing bubble gum. You know, they had their backs turned to their clients. And so I wrote a little manual for my Santas on, you know, how to do, you know, be a better Santa, how to hold the children, how to be kind and you know, how to make their makeup look so they didn't look like clowns, how to greet the mommies and things like that. And then my next year, I think I was 26 years old. I went from two malls to 14 malls. It was absolutely insane. It, 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 was, it just grew and grew. So the Santa school grew so that I could staff all these malls. And we were doing a Santa school and uh, we had a reporter that came into, somebody was having a business meeting in the room next to us and they saw all the Santas. So they came in and they did a story on us and that hit AP Reuters. And then I had Santas from all over the world to come to my Santa school. So it was just, I was, I kind of, you know, got on the sled and it turned into the snowball that turned into the avalanche and here I am. So now give us an idea of, of the scope of your Santa-related services today. I know, as you said, you you not only book Santas, you teach them. Uh, but how many do you book over what geographical area? You're worldwide, right? I do. I play Santas um, worldwide. Um, the majority of them are here in North America. And my biggest concentration, obviously, is in the Denver metro area. This year... Oh, we have 2,000 events in four and a half weeks. Wow. So imagine planning 2,000 weddings in four and a half weeks to kick off. It's, it's mind-boggling. But um, I have 3,200 Santas nationwide. I have 5,600 Santas on my roster, but I work actively with 3,200 Santas helping book them. And we've created a program called Certified Professional Santas. Because as you know, anybody can buy a Santa suit, anybody. Um, just like anybody can buy a, a wrench and say they're a plumber. And you just don't get the caliber. So the certified Santas, they all have clean background checks that were done in September. They are, are all fully insured. Um, they have anywhere between two and five outfits. They all do the HD makeup. And they've had over 100 hours of training. So if somebody wants a real quality Santa, um, those are the kind of Santas that I book out. And then I have elite Santas that I send on cruise lines to private resorts to clients like Gaylord, uh, Great Wolf, um, 
my bigger, bigger clients get some of those elite Santas. So who who becomes a Santa? What I imagine you see uh, runs the gamut of uh, folks who decide to give this a try. But uh, what what are the qualities that go into a good Santa? Well, the story that I hear most, and I, and I always listen to it, but is usually some guy that says, you know, I I retired and I grew my beard, and I was at Walmart or King Supers. And everybody says, I look like Santa, so I found your school, and I want to be a Santa. So, yes, the beard is it is an element, but they now have designer beards made by theatrical companies that guys can buy for about $3,000. So the beard is not a necessary evil. A lot, of, a lot of guys want to go have a beer, and they like having road rage. But once you wear the red shirt and you've got the beard, <laughs> you know, the beers with the guys at the tavern are throwing back a few shots and, you know, going through traffic, having road rage, it, those days are over. So so they can, you can wear an artificial beard. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing that makes a great Santa is their heart. They, it, it's usually the, the fellow who has grandchildren and he loves spending time with them it's the the fellow who's worked with the Boy Scouts or his church groups that really loves being around children. It might be the widower who's lost his wife and his children are grown up and moved away and his grandchildren are grown, who's looking for a way to connect during the holiday season. So I, I could take your great-grandmother and I could make her look like Santa. But if you don't have the heart and the love I can't fix that. If it's for ego and for fame or for money, yeah, you can be a Santa, but it but to be a true Santa, to really give people a quality experience, it takes heart. And then what I do is I work with them to give them the skills, the techniques, the confidence, the entertainment tools, um, and the platform to be able to be Santa. So it's you know, I, I just released a whole new group of Santas and they're out there and they're, you know, their first few appearances, we kind of give them, you know, some mall hours so they can practice their night before Christmas and their, their entertainment things. And they can mess it up doing free entertainment at the mall, which is more than you'd get anywhere else. We, we, we're at streets at South Glen. We're at the promenade mall up in, uh, Loveland. We're at Larimer square. We're at Union Station with their Santa. So that's where they, people can run into some of our Santas this year. But as they go out, you know, it's just like driving a clutch. You know, we're going to give them a small venue where they can pop the clutch a few times and go, oops, I need to change that up a little bit. Sure. Um, and then we, we we put them out. This year we have about 500 uh, between country clubs, real estate agencies, HOAs, um, and a, a total of 2,000 events with home visits and things like that. Now, you, you also deal in Mrs. Claus as well, which uh, is interesting to me because we, you know, we all have sort of the, uh, the traditional idea of Santa, but Mrs. Claus seems like a little more of a, a blank slate that you could kind of create a little more. What, what goes into uh, Mrs. Claus? Well, now, Mrs. Claus is traditionally seen that, you know, she's 
in the kitchen with the cookies, you know, making cookies and making cookies and making cookies. So we've really um, turned her into the queen of the North Pole. We now wear tiaras and lots of lace and beautiful jewels. You know, she's not just the pudgy grandma. She's kind of the the slinky, you know, not overly sexy, but, you know, she's turned into a modern day woman. She assists Santa. She designs the wrapping paper you know, she works on the nutritional aspects of the elves at the North Pole. Um, but a Mrs. Claus, Santa really, a lot of clients go, no, I just want a Santa. And they'll throw Santa into a room with 250 children and it's total chaos. So when we have a Mrs. Claus, we train our elves and our Mrs. Clauses to do a, a, a technique called pacing through spacing so that our Santas can get through about 125 quality lap visits in an hour. Mrs. Claus, now I am out, as well as many of my Mrs. Clauses, doing solo appearances with story times and crafts and interactions. And Mrs. Claus is quite the performer. Um, so people say, you know, maybe you want to do something different this year. And they'll book a Mrs. Claus for their event. And it's, it's been very, very successful. So I'm guessing that among your, your Santas, uh, the individuals have a probably a wide variety of skills. Some might be uh, funny. Uh, you know, some might be able to sing. Are, are you able to tailor uh, the Santa to uh, particular skills that an individual may bring to the job? Absolutely. I have uh, a Santa that performs up in the mountains. He plays his guitar. I have a Santa that um, has a band and he brings his harmonica so that people can do a sing-along. Um, some of my Mrs. Clauses are excellent singers. Um, some of them are very good with crafts. So what we try to do is instead of putting, but we do this also, is we take the gentleman and we put him into the mold of Santa but they make a better Santa when they're able to incorporate things that are really intrinsic to their own personality. So like if, if a Santa collects trains and he knows all about the Lionel model trains or whatever it is, then he might adopt the name as Choo Choo Santa. And he'll talk more about trains and things like that. And he might have a stuffed you know, instead of a teddy bear, he might have a stuffed caboose or a, a train engine or talking. So we really do try to incorporate that, their personal personalities as much as we can into their personalities of Santa. I got to tell you a funny story. I've got a couple Santas who are really high level or were really high level attorneys, like with oh, the really? DA's office. And <laughs> so I give them... I give them a hard time. I'm going, I wouldn't want to be the five-year-old that sits on your lap <laughs> explaining how good I've been this year. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, yeah, maybe let's not bring that wonderful part of your personality into Santa. You know, do you have proof of that? And did yeah. anyone videotape that? We we will need witnesses on you didn't steal the cookie. You know? uh, no no cross-examination. <laughs> really? Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about the pandemic. Because it seems like that was really a, a key moment in shifting and in some ways expanding the business of Santa. So if you would, take us back to 2020 
when the coronavirus had struck and suddenly malls and all kinds of events uh, are canceling their in-person appearances. Uh, What did you do? How did you react to that? It was immediately in March that as soon as I realized, you know, we're going to get shots and everybody's quarantined and we're not sure when we're going to get this fixed. And, you know, you know, they had the daily totals of how many people were dying each day. And when I take a look at my Santas and I say, look, you know, you're kind of in that older generation that's really vulnerable to not making it through this. So immediately I started and and I had I had one of the first training programs ever for virtual Santas. It started back in 2014. I worked with a company that where I trained all of their online Santas. And when the pandemic hit, I went into full tilt. I hired the best Santas, probably 90 great great super high entertainment level Santas and started a program called the North Pole Storytime. And we did 90 hours of training, uh, a virtual training, because as you know, um, you see people on Zoom and they start waving their arms and they, they start, you know, rocking in and out or they're picking their noses. I'm going, no, no, no. You need to be a super high energy TV anchor person. <laughs> so all of your energy needs to come through your facial expressions and your eyes and your voice animation and not, you know, so much with the hands in front of you. So we spent 90 hours, I spent 90 hours training the Santas and we put together a program called um, North Pole Storytime. It is still up. It's on our website, Santa Visits, plural, visitsusa.com. People can click on join story time and we have a thousand videos of sing-alongs and story times and craft projects with Mrs. Claus. Learn your ABCs, um, learn how to count puppet shows, magic shows. Everybody did fun little videos and they each got their own like little website. One of the Santas worked for Delta Airlines. So he had Santa's airport. So he did all kinds of airport things. I had another Santa that owns um, a fire truck. So we set him up and he was Santa's um, North Pole Fire Department Santa. Talked, you know, there's little boys that love fire trucks. So we have one Santa that loved to write rap songs. So he wrote rap songs about Christmas. So people can still go on there and there's over a thousand videos all targeted from three to nine-year-olds. And then people could actually get to know the Santa that they could book for a virtual visit. So here's what's happened in the interim. People are so glad to be out from under their masks. We, we're not doing that many virtual visits anymore. Uh, we did develop a program where, and it's still used today by some big, big companies. So they can have a children's Christmas party Let's say they have five regions and they have 800 children. Well, they can't get them together to do a Christmas party. So we will do an online, maybe four of them, so we can get enough on the Zoom. But Santa comes on. We do sing-alongs. We do trivia. We do um, Mrs. Claus comes on and does her puppet show. So it's a one-hour Christmas party, a corporate Christmas party that we can do online. They'll send out the cocoa or the teddy bears, or whatever the theme for it is. 
Um, and we also do virtual a virtual online party for for families. Let's say you have relatives in that are living in France, that are living in New York. You've got some people in California, but the whole family wants to get together. We will do a virtual party, not just a virtual visit, but a virtual online party. So we've really taken that one-on-one -on -one virtual visit with Santa up the next level. But we still do a few, but not as many. We're, I mean, we have actually, I'm getting one request right now for Santa at least every two minutes, round the clock. It, it is, I hate to say it, but I'm about to have a heart attack. It's overwhelming. Sure. And, and here's what we got to remember, Kevin, that people don't think about buying their Valentine's Day flowers in October. They don't think about putting up their Halloween decorations in February. But with, and it's not a Santa shortage, it's, it's an, it's a demand that is just, um, people don't want to go to the ordinary malls, pay $60 for a photo. We don't sell pictures. You can, you can take your own pictures and we put on shows at the malls we do. So we have, we have a huge following there, but people don't want that yucky experience of paying that much money, seeing a slouchy Santa, uh, waiting in line, picking up pictures later. Their pictures are terrible. So every HOA, every real estate company, every country club, um, every church all needs a Santa. And we've got, in Denver, there's about maybe 75 Santas. So how do you do 5,000 events with 75 Santas? The answer is, A, book early if you want a Santa on the weekends. We open up January 2nd. And by January 3rd, I had 300 bookings just in one day, got 300 wow. bookings. <laughs> um, and then what you do is you get creative and maybe you have, you know, your open pit fire marshmallow roast, um, ugly sweater contest on a Thursday night. And I can get you a Santa at a great rate if you'll go with some of the weeknights and not those uh, on December 2nd, we have six hundred events in one day and what happens is a mommy ends up with you know eight to 13 invitations and unless you're giving away diamonds for coats and you know dove chocolate she's not going to pick you so you're competing and that's the weekend that every single city has their tree lighting their parade of lights so people are overwhelmed on those saturdays and sundays so let's do a pajama party with Santa or a pizza and pretzel dinner, you know, with chicken nuggets and wine and cheese for the adults on a Tuesday night when everybody can relax. So I'm just I'm asking people to start booking on those weeknights and you'll be able to get a great Santa. So I think you said back in 2020 that you felt like uh, you were just tapping into the possibility of online Santa. Uh, when you look at the overall business now, how does it break down in terms of in-person versus online? Because it seems like in a lot of businesses that discovered ways to do business online, uh, that never completely went away. Well, we were doing some virtual visits one-on-one -on -one from 2014 to 2019. And then in 2020, I mean, it shifted to almost 
you know, 98% online. And the Santas that got brave, and I will tell you, I lost 83 Santas to COVID. Oh, my God. Now, this is how big their heart was. I have to go out. I have to see the children. I have to be there for them. Well, part of the problem is, Santa, you don't want to bring them COVID. You don't want to get COVID. And so all of my guys backed off and did not go out and do anything. I mean, we created this fabulous platform that people could come to. They got all kinds of gifts. We had the virtual corporate parties. We had the one-on-one visits. We had messages. You could give us the information about your child, and Santa could send them a virtual uh, a recorded message. So that was kind of fun. But after, as soon as people could take their masks off, I mean, I'm down to 0.0001% of my business being online. I mean, pe- people, you know, people are like, I don't want to Zoom anymore unless they have family all over the world and they want to Zoom or it's one of these corporate parties. We've got Santas that are bopping into a lot of companies, you know, they're having their weekly Zoom session and then they have a mystery guest and Santa comes on and he does some fun trivia and, you know, we have some fun giveaways and and he does a little naughty list and, and some fun stuff like that just for adults. But I would say overall, Santa live and in person has always been the norm. To get that experience, to be five years old, to talk to Santa, to tell him what you want, to look him in the eyes and say, yes, I've been good and no, you're lying and he knows you're lying and he forgives you anyway. I mean, that is what we all remember. We don't, people want that live experience. The virtual has really kind of taken a back seat but it still has its fabulous applications. Well, so after 40 years, uh, and uh, what you described is sometimes overwhelming demand uh, as the season approaches. Do you you still get a kick out of the spirit of the season? uh, Or, you know, has it become more just, uh, just business? Well, let me tell you what, from six in the morning till 11 at night, my phone is ringing. Like I told you, I'm taking at least a booking every two minutes. It's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, I mean, I'm writing up contracts. I'm doing assignments. I'm getting invoices out. I'm working on payroll with the Santas. Our clients are giving us evaluations. I mean, all that is churning. And, and And it's sometimes very frustrating and you know, I wish people would read their contracts and not have to call me back and ask me a question that's already in there. But you know what? It's that's part of doing business. But last night, and if you know, I was out with about eighty children at a real estate party, and when they come up and they 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 give you a hug and they go, "Oh, Mrs. Claus, you're a princess," and I'm so glad you're here, and they hand me a gooey cookie that they've decorated, and you know, they tell me that they love me, and they're with Santa, and I just see their eyes. The live and in person, and actually, Kevin, this is my 41st year. 41st. I should have retired last year and just called it good. Now I might have to make it to 50. Oh, <laughs> oh I just I should have bailed when it was good. But anyway, no. Um, being with those children and seeing their eyes and seeing the joy when we're putting on our Santa show and doing the elf test and teaching them the North Pole dance and um, all of those things, just to see the joy and to watch the parents, watch the children having that Santa experience, 
that they remember or wanted to give their children. It's not even a thrill. It's just, it warms my heart and energizes me and keeps me going. Well, thank goodness for that, because we could certainly use all the good cheer we can, uh, we can muster these days. We've been talking with Susan Mesco, legendary Santa supplier in Colorado and far beyond. Happy holidays, Susan. Wait, Air- wait a second. I got to tell you this. What? You, you didn't know this, but I am one of the only living women, I think there was five of us, inducted into the International Santa Claus Hall of Fame. Oh, my gosh, that's better they, than the Rock and they, Roll Hall of Fame. After all these years of telling me you don't, they, don't, they didn't want a woman in the Santa industry, I made it to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> all right. You, you know you made it. Okay. Well, listen, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And from all of our Santas across the whole country and, and beyond, just Merry Christmas to all your listeners, Kevin. Thanks so much for joining us, Susan. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. State officials told a federal judge Colorado Parks and Wildlife could release wolves from Oregon into Colorado as early as Monday. An attorney representing the state in court Thursday said the logistics around the release are not yet finalized and depend on several factors, including the weather and how the wolves are transported to the state. The Colorado Cattlemen's Association and other groups opposed to the reintroduction filed a lawsuit Monday asking a judge to delay the reintroduction. The judge said she will decide by Friday whether to halt the release of the animals. Fair housing advocates say some Denver landlords are finding ways to skirt legal protections for people who rely on housing vouchers to pay their rent. Advocacy groups say people who use federal rent assistance are struggling to find an apartment or house that will accept them, and they suspect they're being turned away for using public aid. Under an amendment to the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act, it is now illegal for landlords to refuse to rent or lease housing to a person based on where their rent money comes from. 58% of Colorado teachers who responded to a recent survey say they are considering leaving education in the near future. That marks a slight improvement over two years ago when two in three teachers were thinking about abandoning the career amid pandemic fallout. This year's State of Education report also found 65% of teacher respondents don't trust the state's school accountability system, which is intended to measure how well teachers are educating students largely through standardized test scores. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Before we go, we encourage you to check out a new podcast from our friends at KUNC called The Colorado Dream. Here's a sneak peek. The new season of The Colorado Dream explores the Black immigrant experience in Aurora. It's told through the eyes of one African woman. I would sit on the beach and just daydream about coming to America. And the city of Aurora that's working to become an inclusive home for all. In the last 20 years, uh, we have a new face of the city. I'm Stephanie Daniel. Join me for The Colorado Dream Newcomers Welcome. You can find the series at KUNC.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, a quick message from our editor. I'm Larry Rickman, editor and co-founder of The Colorado Sun. The Sun is a public benefit corporation, and we rely on the support of listeners and readers like you to produce the nonpartisan, in-depth news that Colorado needs and deserves. Please consider becoming a Sun member for just $5 a month. Learn more at coloradosun.com. Thanks.